truth in his art. I am your host, the Big Easy Rob. I've I'm, I'm, I'm been saying it all week. I've been saying it all week. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, and we're here today. Um, and I'm super excited to welcome the owner of Baldwin & Co. in New Orleans, dope bookstore. Um, it's not just an independence bookstore, but it's also a coffee shop that offers high quality coffee, tea, pastries. And the store stocks books on a wide range of genres, including mystery, business, history, like I said, cut and paste, uh, art, travel, children's literature, and much, much, much more. This, um, this space um, is dedicated to promoting great writing and regularly hosts events with local and visiting authors. The store also offers cards, journals, gifts. It's just, just a great place to be. So please welcome DJ Johnson. Welcome to the podcast. Man, thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. I really do appreciate it, man. Thank you for allowing me to be the host. I mean, I'm sorry, a guest on your show today. I mean, you could be the host. I mean, I could just sit here and just play your role. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, the honor's all mine. I, I'd rather be the guest. Uh, I, I appreciate you're, it. You're much better at this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. But but thank you for, um, for, for making the time and and, and coming on here and, you know, getting to, to chat with you a little bit beforehand. I think it always adds another dynamic to it and in doing this conversation in space like not doing it via zoom i think it makes for a richer conversation because i could just say here's the questions i got for you and then it's just like oh, you got nothing out of it so i think it's great and i'm just looking forward to learning more so as i start off with this sort of like introductory question right um i find that you know a lot of the things that we're interested in as adults have some roots when we're kids or very young, like, you know, those those sneakers you couldn't afford. You're like, I'm going to get those when I'm older. And it's like, that motivates my work. I wear this color palette as a result of those Jordans I couldn't buy. So could you tell us about some of your early creative interests? And like, what books were you into growing up? And I have a second question, but I at least want to start off there about some of those early interests creatively. The autobiography of Malcolm X, Alex Haley, one of the most profound pieces of literature that I read at an early age. And I only read it because my older brother was reading it. Sure. And I wanted to do everything he wanted. Everything he did, I wanted to do. I wanted to be him. And I remember like yesterday, I'm 12 years old, I'm at the kitchen table and I'm watching him read the book and it's dinner time and he puts the book down and then walks away. And after dinner, we're by my grandmother's house. I pick up the book and I'm reading it until like, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. My grandmother, she comes down the hallway with her slide. <laughs> she sees the kitchen light on. She sees me in there. She's like, boy, what are you doing? <laughs> but I was so engulfed in the book. Yeah. Um, prior to that, of course, I had read children's books, but this is the first like literary book that I read. Right. Um, and uh, I just fell in love with it. Um, and then after that, I went on to read Souls of Black Folks by W.B. Du Bois, The Miseducation of the Negro by College Woodson. My dad just started feeding us mm. books um, in terms of the content. My dad, he had this rule. He said, look, you're going to read about white folks all day in school. In my house, in this house, you're going to read about black people. You're going to read about your history. So on Mondays, every Monday, we could not watch television. There was no TV. Yeah. No matter if you finish your homework or not, you had to read. <laughs> so like that was my early introduction into developing reading habits. Yeah. And then what kept it going is that I grew up with a speech impediment. Yeah. So I had to do speech therapy. And part of the speech therapy was like this 
therapeutic sessions like Toastmasters today. Yeah. So I'm having to read and get up and speak about, uh, do an oral book report. And the more I got into these fictional stories, yeah. uh, say Ernest Gaines and you know, The Gathering of Old Men, as I'm reading these stories, I'm falling in love with the characters. Yeah. Um, Ernest Gaines is one of my favorite authors growing up. Yeah. So as I'm reading these stories, I'm just like, man, this is a pretty cool escape here. Yeah. You know, your mind just takes you on a journey that your imagination has never touched on before, but it becomes addictive. Yeah. And it's pretty much does what social media does today. Mm -hmm. It takes you away from your reality. Well, books can do the same thing. And that's what it did for me growing up as an impoverished kid to yeah. where every day all I saw was impoverishment, drugs, crime, degradation, and impoverishment. That's all I saw. Right. But I was able to enter into a new space when I read these books. And then the content of the Souls of Black Folks and Carter G. Woodson and John Henry Clark, um, Dick Gregory, as I'm reading that, that put the reality into context yeah thank you I, I i think it's like it's funny and i know it's going to be a question we have a little bit later but when it comes to books it's what's that old adage you want to have something for a black person you put it in a book you know mm -hmm. we, we don't read or whatever we don't swim and we don't read <laughs> um working on the swimming part I, I, the reading part's gotten better um because i i think i shifted right how i view it and i use technology in even in this process right so you know when i'm coming up so when I was younger, I used to be very, very, very um, embarrassed and uh, very, um, what's, the, what's the word? Like, it's like, I don't know if, I don't know if uh, I can be in conversation sometimes because I can't make a reference to a book because I don't retain. You know, I can read, but I don't retain. And I was like, what's my way of retaining? Repetition. It's like learning something. So I used the technology. I grabbed the audiobooks. And there are, there are some, because I want to have, like, I'm playing with this idea of space, and it's, it's funny, we're in a bookstore, ultimately, but, you know, having this sort of idea that, all right, I want to consume the information. I want to be able to get that. How do I consume it? What works for me? And when you, you mentioned autobiography about that. It's like, I definitely got that, and mm -hmm. I can make that reference point. And I was like, yeah, so in this chapter, right, <laughs> you know, dancing was a big part of his life, if y'all didn't know that, <laughs> and I can make that sort of reference, or even if I'm going through sort of entrepreneurial books or books on how to like some of the more dated stuff like um you know like i listen to a lot of the the laws and the 48 laws of power and all of that different stuff but even like um you know different things from like jack welch books or jim Rohn and things of that nature just to understand a certain cohort and in a different perspective i can get your bio and understand that but really how do i get to the thinking in that so sometimes it maybe takes from a, a different book to transfer maybe your thinking to a different place and that sparks questions all the time for me and you know it just opens up my way of thinking so i think it's so much power and i like the way you described it of like it's kind of like social media you, you can expose yourself to different things mm -hmm. i like that so we don't we didn't just get here right so talk about your career path like how do we get it here because you know it's like yeah at one point right when i was in my first book and then i just said here's the bookstore <laughs> everything else is in there we're bringing in coffee next week so tell me about the career path 
Uh, the career path. This was not in my career path. This was not in my five-year goal, ten-year goals. This this was like maybe like forty-year goals. Like <laughs> when I retire and what am I going to do with my life? And I was like, oh, it would be really cool once I'm retired and old, then uh, own a bookstore and just talk to young folks about books <laughs> uh, and sit and drink tea all day, uh, coffee. Um, but how it came about was. I was an IT manager for the federal government, and my mom ended up getting sick, and the doctor told us that she wasn't going to live very long. So I decided to quit my job, relocate back to New Orleans to take care of my mom. I'm happy to say my mom still is alive. She's alive and well. She does remarkably well. That's great. Um, but she, she didn't recover enough well enough for me to move back to either Atlanta or Washington, D.C., so I decided to stay here in New Orleans. And as I'm walking around the communities, talking to young folks like, hey, man, why are you doing this? Like, this is destructive behavior. You are participating in your own oppression. And I'm walking around and I'm recommending books, and people will say, man, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from here. It was like, man, you kind of talk like you're from here, but you don't use words like you're from here. <laughs> I run into the same thing. <laughs> so I was, um, I would talk to them about reading and the power of reading. And I would tell these youth, I was like, man, I know you think you're growing up impoverished, but trust me, your level of impoverished that you're growing up in pales in comparison to the level of impoverishment that I grew up in. Yeah. You know, I was like, we didn't have a refrigerator. We didn't have light for months at a time. You know, we slept in the same beds as my other six, five siblings were sleeping horizontal in two twin-size beds. I'm like, you know, that's the level of empowerment that I grew up, the level of crime that I grew up witnessing. I was like, you're not, trust me, you don't have it as hard as you think you had it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, books saved my life. They can serve you. They can save yours too. If if you want to come back and buy back the block and regentrify you, our own communities, and this is how you do it. You do it with the power of a book. And uh, I wanted to be able to be that example, one, for the young black men and young black boys to show a black man reading and the power that you can gain and utilize from out of the pages of a book. So that's how it all started. It all started as a community give back and being able to do community Based initiatives to help enrich the community, grow the community, educate the community, cultivate creativity, and have an intellectual hub of stimulation and growth within our own community by us. I love that. I love it. It's 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 great. Like even you know from the standpoint one, you know I love coming down here because everyone is just like, hey man, how's it going? I was like, what's up, man? You know you spoke to me, and we don't, we don't get to Baltimore all the time. And <laughs> But in, in coming in, it's 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 in some ways it sounds so corny, but it feels like a warm hug from like a cousin you haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I came, I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go right back to the back. Versus mm-hmm. some of the things that one can run into. Sir, you can't be in here. I was like, Nah, I got an appointment. <laughs> but but also it's just like, Hey man, go and take a look. Mm-hmm. This you know this is a place for you. That's what it felt like without even being said. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I dug about. It. I was like, Oh, that's my man DJ right there. Mm-hmm. We got it. And I, I think you know having a, a space like that, and I feel like. There's another stop within here. I, I believe there's an art-related thing that's in this 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 whole you know as we get here, um, thing. So it feels like you know for you having an interest in your community in the city specifically with people that look like you and I, mm-hmm. and it's like you know there's more right. And 
I've run into this on more than one occasion. So the thing that you said, like, you sound like us. People say, you don't sound like us. How do we know you from Baltimore? It's like, mm-hmm. you don't have no grit on you. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm from Lafayette Projects <laughs> on Orleans Street. See? Very specific. It, it mm-hmm. sounds like a place in Louisiana. Um, and people, people would, would ask me, like, why do you have these interests? What are these things? Podcasting. You know, some of the things. And I'm like, you can, you can do this. Why aren't you like looking at this and having like vision? And I think part of it coming comes from travel, right? I think part of it comes from, you know, sometimes it's being in a different space, but sometimes it might be the things that you're interested in. A book in many ways can be traveling, can be a supplement. So talk about some of the other projects. Like, was it Nola Arbar? Nola Arbar. So talk about some of the other projects. Let's, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Like, uh-huh. why, how did that one come about as well? And, and, and why, you know, was this sort of like, I want to do work that is in these specific areas. Why was that of interest for you? Well, it's twofold. So the way Nola Arbar, the idea came around was I'm walking down the street to Georgia Street in the art district. And I'm like, hey, man, why isn't your art? Why isn't black art? Wasn't street New Orleans art in these studios, in in these phenomenal art galleries that we see people walking about in in and out of? And he's like, man, there's a lot of politics, and you know, particularly if you're a black male, you're a black artist, particularly a street artist, you know, they deem it a different quality, a lower quality than Mm -hmm. like fine art. And uh, I started looking at spaces where I started recognizing black art in the city, and it was always in like dark establishments or Mm -hmm. unpolished establishments and I was like you know what I want to create a space where the local artists can showcase their work in a nice clean aesthetically well lit environment to be able to sell their work because they do a lot of work on buildings but you can't you can't sell your work when you paint it on a building you can't paint a mirror on a building and then sell those rights you know, in some ways and not to take shots at the folks that are in the street art realm but it's almost a devaluation of it mm-hmm. because it's like it's being given away and that could help but when in terms of let's say someone making money from that art or getting that sort of next level exposure it's isolated to people that are going past that space mm-hmm. exactly but that's what that's what attract people to new orleans mm-hmm. you see all these tourists they walk around they're taking photos and selfies in front of all the great visual murals that we have around the city. Mm-hmm. They're not going to Jewish Street, taking a selfie in front of a, a framed photograph in the art gallery. They're not doing it. Right. The attraction to New Orleans is the authenticity, the reflection of our realities right. that are painted on these buildings throughout the city. And I say they should be able to take that piece home with them. And you, as an artist, you should be able to profit from that. Yeah. So that's how the art bar came around, and it just happened to have a liquor license. So I was like, you know what? We're going to do art, but we're also going to do the art of craft, co- craft cocktails. Yeah. So it's a craft cocktail bar, and we make all of our own serves, all of our, we fresh squeeze all our own juices because we also want to showcase the art of drinking, not just coming down to New Orleans and getting overly intoxicated <laughs> getting <lit>. and overly <laughs> indulging in alcohol. Um, and then there's another element to it that is symbiotic to what I created with Baldwin and Company. Yeah, it's please. a place where you can have conversations because I want to promote interpersonal communication to whereas we get together over a cocktail yeah. and we have intellectual sparring sessions on how do we solve the greatest issues that exist in society. We, 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 we don't 
do that as much. And so I, I really appreciate you mentioning that because we, we don't do nuance anymore. We don't have discourse. It's sort of this, this is wrong. Here's my take moving on and nothing really gets solved. It's a lot of people that have takes that they're posturing for and they're, they're not having an opinion and letting their opinion have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that was the idea. I said, man, you know what? Baldwin and Company is going to be great for the morning and afternoon. It's great to come and have intellectual discussion. But what about the individuals that maybe aren't entrepreneurs that want to engage in this interpersonal communication, these intellectual gymnastics and sparring sessions, but they work and they're not available until after five or they don't drink coffee or tea and they really prefer a bar environment. So I say, I want a black space that promotes black intellectual empowerment yeah. in the conversations and where they feel safe having these conversations. Absolutely. Because a lot of times, blacks in white space, when we try to have these conversations, then we lower our voice. In my space, you don't have to lower your voice. Mm -hmm. You can speak as loud as you want because I want to encourage the empowerment of the conversation. We have these conversations regarding social, political equality, healthcare disparities. How do we rebuild our own communities, white flight, gentrification? Yeah. And it's a beautiful space. So when you walk in, you feel like home. You feel like you're in the living room setting. And it's a setting to where as you engage in some of the highest banter that you will ever have in your life because that's what the space exudes. That's the energy that it gives you. And that's what I want to create it for the morning, the afternoon, yeah. and no law bar for the evening time. And you can just discuss it over a cocktail versus bar with a company, which is books, coffee, and tea. I love that. And, you know, I, I can't help but mention, you know, and having this delicious drink that I'm enjoying and my, my lips are on fire, by the way. So <laughs> shout out to you on that. But um, talk about sort of building out the menu between both places, because, you know, obviously Baldwin and Company, you know, Baldwin and a lot of the drinks have these uh, relation to whether it's, it's titles, whether it's references to James Baldwin or what have you. And, and I believe other artists. I know I've noticed James Baldwin because I'm drinking the If Bill Street could talk. So talk about building out like what a menu looks like from from that standpoint, because we, we have the vibe. We have a sense of the, the purpose around it, the why, if you will. Mm -hmm. So talk about like building out like what that menu is going to look like and why within that menu. So the menu consists of all my own personal recipes. So all of our lattes, you, you cannot get these lattes anywhere else. They are all my own personal recipes, just from study and dedication and time, trying different flavor profiles. You know, in New Orleans, man, we love to cook. So I grew up cooking, grew up in the kitchen. I love to cook. So I have a really good palate. People, you know, I used to go out in other cities and eat food. And I was like, ah, oh, just okay. Ah, oh, just okay. And people were like, you pick it. I'm like, no, I just know what good food tastes like. I'm from New Orleans. We do My food man. very, we do food very, very well. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yo. laughs> so for, for me, I have a, a very refined palate and I just translated it from cooking gumbo and jambalaya and etouffee to, okay, now it's coffee. Like how do I introduce unique flavor profiles? So for instance, we put ashwagandha in a latte uh, we put the cardamom in another latte sure. so but they also have health benefits like the ashwagandha helps with the de de-stressing the body we also have a hawthorn a hawthorn berry latte because it helps with heart your heart uh, production yeah. so we have a number of 
lattes, but they all have a health element to them because we don't want to just enrich your mind with the books, but we want to enrich your body also. So we're not going to invite you in here and we say, hey, get smart, but forget about the health of the body and give you a latte that's filled with nothing but sugar and syrup. Yeah, yeah. That is going to in turn destroy your internal organs. We're going to say, no, 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 no. We want you to have a healthy mind and body. So we only use oat milk because it is phenomenal alternative milk. But we also take an environmental approach to it as well. In terms of that, oat milk uses 383% less water Mm. than uh, almond milk. And it's much healthier alternative than cow milk. So one of the reasons that we do it is we say, hey... We want to help the environment. Sure. We also want to help you in your mind, in your body. And that's how the menu was designed. Whereas what are the health components of a latte that we can we can bring to ball in a company? Um, we have another one that uses Bacopa and it helps with mental stimulation and memory. Yeah. So that's how the menu is built out. I, I love it because I... I, I shrug when I see like any non uh, cow milk. I, I must admit I shrug, mm-hmm. and I have had instances where I've gotten I guess mediocre um, sort of like oat milk. I don't notice the difference other than I read it. I don't notice the difference, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's a substitute. Like I, you don't, especially here, and as a man who has a refined palate such as myself, <laughs> I, I just had this conversation with someone. I was like, there's a lot of imitation uh, shrimp and grits up in Baltimore. I don't like it. Get that, get that out of here. No turkey in here. No, 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 no. Where, where, where's my tasso? <laughs> like, that, that, that could go a little longer now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just, you know, really thinking of unique ways. Like, back in Baltimore, I must do a shameless plug. I have an official drink at one of my places. Nice. I, have a, I have a cocktail. It's called Rob Lee. You know, nice. it's like vermouth, bourbon, and cinnamon syrup. It's a simple cocktail and people seem to dig it. And I think being able to share sort of that thing, like I like cinnamon. I know it's anti-inflammatory as well. So it's like very passively. Yours mm-hmm. is intentional. Me is just, <laughs> look, I look like cinnamon. That's what we're doing. It's, it's, it's something about it of really being able as a, as a black man, having the opportunity to, whether it be through the support of peers and all, or being able to do it on your own, be able to, with, with, with the support, but in a different way, being able to realize and grow some of these ideas. And I think if it's coming from a place as you were describing younger, it's like, look, we know who we are. You know, you're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about your people mm-hmm. and see it kind of manifesting now and some of the work that you're doing, whether at, you know, here, whether at um, NOLA Art Bar, any of, the, any of the places. And that's, I think that's important. I think that's very important. So bravo to you on that. Thank you, man. I, I, I appreciate it, man. I want to uh, shout out to a book that I read by Jawanza Kanjufa called Satan, I'm Taking Back My Health. And that really helped put me on the path to making sure that I was living a very healthy life with the products and things that I put in my body. Yeah. And, and I noticed, like, when one gets down here, like, you, one indulges, you know, especially, you know, if you haven't had these things regularly, and especially if it's like, we have a version, but this ain't the real thing. Mm-hmm. And you come there, it's like it's like it's like I have, it's like I haven't been able to get it. Now I just need all of it, and just being very mindful. I haven't had a bin yet, yet so just, just let you know. I'm a little sad about that, but uh, go to Loretta's. That's my cousin. Right. Uh, Pop over. Uh, so let's see. Um, I got pretty much two more real, like, kind of big questions, and I got those rapid fire questions that you got to get. I mean, I got to give them to you. <laughs> so let's see. Um, so let's talk about balancing sort of creativity and practicality within your work. Like, 
you know, as I was, we were talking a little bit beforehand, you know, practically speaking, I could just do all of these interviews in a certain way, right? I could do them via Zoom, it's easier, bong, 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 and I can knock them out. But I think in terms of the creativity and the richness of the conversation, it requires me to try to connect with the person on a different level. It adds for a richer thing. Like, you know, you can, through, through Zoom, you can see the video, you can see someone's like facial expressions, but you're like, all right, do I, do I go too long? Do mm -hmm. I go longer? Do I cut it off? So, so tell me how you balance like being very practical while trying to, you know, be creative, serving the community, which is, this is what I'm feeling. And I think you're a superhero in that regard. Mm -hmm. So tell me about balancing those, those two, being creative and kind of pushing the boundaries of what your work is about while like being practical from a practical from a business perspective yes it's difficult it's a fine line to walk because there's so many community-based initiatives that we do that um are contrary to good business practices you know for instance within the first three months of opening up baldwin company we held a book festival where we gave away hundreds of free books mm -hmm. to every kid that walked in we gave away free food free drinks we also had free entertainment. We did free book readings. This is all within the first three months of opening. Mm -hmm. We did three more book festivals to follow, giving away a total of 1,062 books for wow. the entire year. Over $100,000 in giveaways we did, and that's from household goods to after Hurricane Ida, we gave away household goods, um, water, uh, laundry, bleach, cleaning supplies for people to go and clean their homes, clean out the refrigerators. We gave vouchers and and uh, gift cards for people to go and purchase other household goods that goods that went bad during sure. Hurricane Ida. So we gave away well over a hundred thousand dollars in giveaway, and that came from out of the profits of Baldwin and Company. Wow! For the community. Yeah. It's not good business practices. It's, it's, it's not. Um, <laughs> not, for, not for a bookstore that just opened. And what year was what, what, This what is year? year one. What, what year did, did you guys open? 2021. Oh. <laughs> yes. So also during the pandemic. Yes. Well. Also during the pandemic. All right, go on. Continue. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably not sustainable business Who's been knocking practice. at the door? <laughs> <laughs> probably not sustainable business practices to give away every dollar you make within the first year. Yeah. Particularly when they say, you know, uh, most businesses fell within the first three years. Sure. And instead of taking our profits and reinvesting them or just hoarding them, I was giving away every dollar that I made back into the community. Yeah. Um, so that's the practical balance that is like, hey, this probably isn't practical, but you have to figure out a creative way to engage the community. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do. I said, how do I engage the community? And that's why we held a festival. Yeah. And it wasn't just a book giveaway. But I was like, no, we're going to provide free concerts. Mm -hmm. We're going to give them all free food. Yeah. We're going to provide free drinks. And we're going to give every kid that walks in here free books and help register them into our program to where if you read a book and then you go online and submit a book report to us, then we're going to give you another free book. And as many books as you can read as that, and you submit a book report for, that's how many free books we're going to provide to you. So finding creative ways to enrich the community, engage the community, and nourish the community isn't always the most practical business sense, yeah. but it's something that I figure we have to figure out a way. We have to be creative and figure out a way how to do it. 
So I say, okay, how, how do I continue to fund these amazing yeah. community-based initiatives that I want to do? Because there's so much more that I want to do. So it's always a process. It's every day just trying to figure out an idea. Like, how do I enrich the community, grow the community, develop it, engage them, but at the same time, be able to pay this light bill? It's, it's, it's people over profits a lot of times yes. in terms of what the mission looks like. And, you know, not peeling back the onion too, too far, but... Like, how how does that happen? Like, because as we talked about a little bit beforehand, like, I'm just getting to figuring out that puzzle. And it's, you know, it's it's work. It's, it's, it's work and having so many more ideas. And that's where that sort of creativity thing comes in. It's like, how can I do this? But also... You know, you can't be eating asparagus and popcorn. Now. I need to be able to, you know, because you're, you're not paying yourself in most instances, you know? Yeah, so um, one of the ways for me is we should start a nonprofit. So we just started the Baldwin & Co. Foundation, 501c3 organization, and we are alive and well in accepting donations because the work that we're doing in the community, we want to continue and we want to scale the impact. And in order to do that, it's not a sustainable business model to continue to take the profits out of Baldwin and Company Coffee and Bookstore. Sure. So we started a nonprofit applying for grants and applying for other sources of funding in order to be able to scale these community-based initiatives. And that's one of the creative ways that we're going to help bring in the sustainable models to continue to do our community work. I love that. So I got I got one more real question and i've been been asking this like a lot and i think whenever i travel to a new place i think it's very um very important to ask it so i'm very intrigued by this concept of home right and um i think we carry it wherever we go and we were talking about it a little bit earlier um i'm from baltimore i'm very much a baltimore guy and despite what anyone may say <laughs> i'm very much a baltimore guy and i'm drawing the qualities of other cities that i think i see you know it's like oh i'm here in new orleans and i see like Mm, trimming is the wire. It's, it's the same thing. It's just the art side of it, right? Um, tell me about like how you carry this sort of sense of home with you wherever you may travel. Like whether it's you're going to a conference, maybe in this region for sake of argument, or even when you were, you know, back in the DMV and in, in, in DC or what have you, or maybe you know before you came back. Mm -hmm. Tell me about like how you brought this concept of home with you. Man, New Orleans is one of those cities to where when you meet someone from New Orleans, you know they're from New Orleans. I mean, this is true. <laughs> that you can you can tell from the way we speak. You can tell by the way we walk. You can tell by the way we we enunciate words. It's it's going to come out, um, regardless of of where you are. You can easily tell. We just got a different <laughs> swag. There's certain cities to where their culture is so rich, it is immediately pr prominent in the interaction with that person. Sure. Um, there's certain cities that have it, like New York has. You can always tell when someone's from New York. Um, you know, certain parts of L.A., they have it. Someone from L.A., you can tell by the, the way that they say words and the words that they say and just kind of like the way they dress and their demeanor. Um, and New Orleans is one of those cities as well to where you immediately like, hey, you, you're from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. um, so the culture is so rich. And for me, I think I carried it with me without even knowing how much I exuded New Orleans. Because yeah. I would be out and about in different parts of the world and people would ask, are you from New Orleans? I was like, yeah, they'd be like, oh my goodness, I absolutely love your city. <laughs> you know, and then we just have such a unique culture. Yeah. Um, a lot of people often say we're the northernmost island. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. a very island feel. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, we really only care about food, fun, and festivals. That's it. And family. You know, it's, so all, F's. it's all F's. <laughs> and everything else we don't give a fuck about. Ah, <laughs> that's another F, right? There. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's New Orleans. It's a very laissez-faire. Yeah, it's yeah. a very laissez-faire city. So, but we learn how to have fun. Um, and we enjoy and we appreciate the little things in life. So, how I carry it is it's so ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. I feel like the energy surrounds me and exudes me and people are able to recognize it. And for me, I have such a great affinity for home, mm-hmm. um, particularly the black culture and the black history of New Orleans and being one of the largest slave ports in the country and how so much greatness and music came out of New Orleans and the flavors that we have in our foods from all the way from New Orleans up to Detroit, Michigan, like how we flavor foods, a lot of that was birthed out of New Orleans. The way jazz um, has inspired hip hop and R&B and New Orleans being the birthplace of jazz and even rock and roll, you know? So you look at all forms of music and all forms of music were inspired by jazz. And having been from New Orleans, which is the birthplace of jazz, I'm always able to recognize our touch on things. So that's how I take it everywhere I go because it is everywhere I go versus other cities. They culture, while they have great contributions to society, it's not as prominent or pronounced as New Orleans. Um, And then coming back home and being able to be engulfed of it just gave me a greater appreciation and being able to walk to Treme and see Congo Square and Treme being one of the oldest black communities um, in the country yeah. is just something that I'm super proud of. So I make sure I take that spirit with me. And speaking of spirits, you know, New Orleans is a very, very spiritual city. So whether you want to take that spirit with you or not, it's coming with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. And I feel like, you know, not being from here, what have you, and having a lot to learn, um, about being here, but, you know, really, I have a like a really, and I, and I mean, it's a really like soft spot for the city and the, the people in it or what have you. Um, and it's always, always with the people. Yeah, that's, that's a big piece of it. You know, it feels, you know, I love Baltimore. I'm from Baltimore, Baltimore boy, but it's, it's one of those things where coming down here feels regenerative. It's just like, oh, ah, I needed that. It's like going, almost going to therapy mm-hmm. in some ways. And I know people are going to say like, that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but it feels that way. It, it, it truly does. Like, you know, as we were talking when I got, you know, this, this sort of period of doing all of these interviews, and all of this stuff, it's like, great. But I was like, I haven't really taken a break and being able to step away a little bit and then go to a city that I really dig and be able to do it this time mm-hmm. and having work to be a part of it. It's like, I'm doing the thing that I enjoy doing with people that I'm very curious about. And I've only had like good situations with Yeah, man. New Orleans, our current culture is, one of the richest black cultures in the entire world, in the entire country. It's just one of the richest cult- cultures. So when you're traveling around in the United States and you want to be engulfed and enriched in black culture, you have to come to New Orleans. And if you want to understand the dynamics of this country, yeah. then you have to come to New Orleans. That's why James Baldwin, when he wanted to get in touch and see the realities and have a better understanding after he came back from France, he was like, man, I really want to un- help understand this country. He took a journey down here to New Orleans because he wanted to get in touch with his roots. His dad is from New Orleans. Yeah. So he's like, I really want to get in touch with my roots and help better understand. Imani Perry, 
when she wrote South to America, she spent a lot of time in New Orleans because she wanted to really get in touch with black culture and the origins of it and its roots. Um, W.B. Du Bois spent a lot of time in New Orleans also to help understand and get enriched into the black culture and understand the origins and the roots of the traditions. It's just one of those places to where as we have the oldest and most prominent cultures and representation of blackness yeah. in America. And I would imagine that is part of the naming. Yes. <laughs> so as we move into these last moments here, um, and, and thank you, this is this has been wonderful. Um, I'm going to like butcher this real quick as mm -hmm. we get into the, the land yap part of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a few um, rapid fire questions um, I got to ask you because um, I'm curious. Um, so here, here you go. Um, number one, what did you have for breakfast? Oatmeal. Which flavor? Plain. I like oatmeal. I mean, I like it really dry. I put a little water in it. And I just like plain. So you had a oatmeal. granola bar in a bowl. Is what you say? You're like, I was gonna eat this granola bar. It's, I like it real dry. I don't like it watery, man. But I, I predominantly most mornings, man, I have oatmeal or like some boiled eggs for for breakfast. But this morning it was just just plain oatmeal. I had a biscuit with sausage and egg cheese in there. <laughs> they were like, "Do you want hot sauce on?" I was like, "On the side, please." Yeah, I'll put some honey or agave in it. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's just. Some honey, agave, and just plain oatmeal. Hey, um, see, uh, what are three words that come to mind when you want to define the real culture of New Orleans? Because we have the tourist culture, we have the people who are living here, and you're very much a Black New Orleans dude. Mm -hmm. So I want to get your your three words. What's your take? Laissez-faire. So you see one French going. <laughs> <laughs> um, fun. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those F's, by the way. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> to our detriment, we are complacent. So this is the last one I got for you. So, you know, we, we talked about drinks a little bit. What's your favorite drink, man? You can go either morning, afternoon, or we can go evening. Which, which is, what's your favorite drink? Well, honestly, I don't consume alcohol. Come on, man. Please take them out of here. This interview is over. <laughs> okay, what is your... I see you're drinking tea. So I feel like it's going to be tea. Green tea. Green tea. That's, that's my go-to. Green tea. Okay. You're off the hot seat. You're off the, <laughs> the cayenne seat. Um, so I want to, again, thank you for, for being on this podcast. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to like shamelessly plug away. The floor is yours. Tell, them, tell folks where to check out all the projects that you're working on. Um, no Yard Bar, uh, Baldwin & Company, uh, any of the things that you got, social media, website, the floor is yours. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate the opportunities, man. It's an honor and pleasure to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you so much. You can find more about Baldwin & Company at www.baldwinandcobooks.com. We do ship books online. You can order books online. Please shop with us versus those other big chain stores or that other big store online that starts with an A. Uh, we give back to the community. We are a community-based organization, so please make sure you shop with us. We ship directly to your doorstep just like that other company. So uh, you can also follow us on IG mm -hmm. at Baldwin and Company. We're on Twitter at Baldwin Books. If you want to follow Nola Altbar's journey as well, you can go to www.nolaartbar.com. And we're on IG as Nola underscore art underscore bar. We also have the Baldwin & Company Foundation, which is our 501c3. You can find links for that on the Baldwin & Co page as well. 
And we also have a conversation with creators where we're bringing in some of the most prominent thought leaders today. So the Imani, Imani Perry and Eddie Glaude Jr., Michael Eric Dyson, Nicole Hannah-Jones, these are all some of our previous guests this Saturday coming up. We have Stephen A. Smith, who will be in the building, and then we also have Eric Thomas, who's coming. We bring in some of the most prominent thought leaders today, some of the most greatest minds that have ever graced this planet. Currently today, our contemporary geniuses that we work with, we're bringing them into New Orleans, into Baldwin & Company to help inspire creativity and growth within each other. Thank you. And um, well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank DJ Johnson, Ball Winning Company, Ball Winning Company, Ball Winning Company for coming on to the podcast and sharing more about his story and his, his journey as we continue. And um, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, community with all caps in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it.